Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Mental Sweet Spot podcast, where we share stories, tips, and strategies for coaching the mental game of softball. I'm Melanie Rushing and I'll be joined shortly by a special guest to discuss softball instruction with a purpose. So what if you could guarantee your softball instruction was effective each and every time you worked with a student athlete? You know at this point in your career, just because you know what you're talking about doesn't guarantee you'll be able to help each player reach her potential. Great instruction is about more than that. It's about meeting each individual player where she's at on that particular day over and over again. Sounds exhausting, right? But it's all about having strong core values within your instruction style. If everyone is different, what about the way you teach and observe and explain these things will be consistent? Today's guest shares some of her techniques and philosophies for how she works with her student athletes. She's a former D1 player from Lipscomb University who now owns her own instruction business on purpose softball training. She also shares her insights and talks with influential guests on her brand new 951 podcast, which will air January 13th. So without further ado, please welcome Casey Lovell. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm so glad to be here today. So excited to chat with you. For those who don't know, I met Casey at the NFCA convention and we hit it off. She's totally our people, so I cannot wait for you guys to hear her perspective, the things she's working on, and the awesome stuff she's bringing to softball girls, girls and just athletes and students in our community. So welcome, Casey. Thank you. Uh, I'm really excited to just talk more about culture and having mentally tough students because those are two very important things and I think they sometimes get overlooked. So I'm really happy to kind of dive into that today and discuss it. Perfect. Okay, before we get into that, because I could talk for that for hours, give our listeners a little bit of your backstory. How did you get into softball and how did you take this turn into focusing on this type of thing as an instructor, especially? Yeah, absolutely. So I grew up in the world of softball. I have three older sisters. They all played softball. So I grew up, you know, traveling around the country, watching them even when I wasn't playing. And <laughs> so then, you were yeah. <laughs> yes. And so I just followed in my sister's footsteps and I ended up loving softball. And so I started playing when I was pretty little. And then as I got older, more into high school is when I started to travel more and do, you know, your high gold level travel ball. And then from there, I played at Lipscomb University down in Nashville, loved my experience there and got a business degree with some marketing and, you know, graduated and was like, okay, what do I do now? I worked in HR for a couple years and enjoyed the business side of it, but not specifically what I was doing. And had really felt this calling to do more in softball and instruction. And I'd been doing some softball instruction, just private lessons on the side for, you know, three years. And it was just a lot to do it on the side. I would, you know, have a job where I was getting home at, you know, 545. And then I would hurry up and stuff down some dinner. And then I would do, you know, three hours of lessons. And, you know, by the time I get in, I'm trying to just go right to bed. And so it was, it was just a lot. And so this past June, I made the leap to, you know, leave my job and start my own softball training business. And so right now I do uh, private instruction for girls, hitting lessons. I'll do sometimes small group and, and camps and come and help them with their practices if they need. But I mostly do that private instruction, the hitting lessons, and then I'll also do virtual training for these girls as well. And then, um, 
as another arm of my business through that, I'm going to start a sports and faith podcast to kind of push some of the content that I have on my heart and help get some amazing speakers to speak in the lives of athletes. And so I think jumping into softball wasn't something I thought I was going to do, but then ended up loving it, ended up loving the relationships I was building with all of my students and took that leap to kind of change lanes and still use my business degree, but focus more on softball within that. Absolutely. And it is super applicable. Let me tell you, my speech therapy degree is <laughs> not so helpful right now. Yeah. <laughs> but I love that. And I love your journey. It's I, it's totally the coach's journey, right? We spend a bazillion hours doing it and then we finally realize, okay, let's try to make this the main thing. <laughs> yeah. Totally get it. Well, let's start with culture. So even with someone who doesn't have a full team, you have a culture. Every kid who comes to see you, whether it's one time or multiple for many years, you have a culture with the way you teach and the things you want them to take with them. So describe a little bit more about your culture with the girls who work with you. Yeah, absolutely. So I do really try to build a culture to where um, it's very consistent and every student that comes with me is not going to be getting something different. And that's in terms of culture, of training, of everything else. Uh, I want to be consistent in that because I want to be providing quality instruction, quality culture, everything for each one of my students, no matter their talent level. And so one of the first things that I realized pretty quickly on um, as a player and also teaching all of my students is that letting my students know that they have the talent, they have all the potential and the skills to get to the point they want to, but they just have to be reminded of that a lot. I think as athletes, we have a pretty short memory when it comes to remembering that, hey, we've worked hard to get here. We do have the talent. Uh, We sometimes forget that. And I've realized that part of my culture needs to be reminding my students, hey, you are good enough to be here. You have the talent um, and you can work hard to get to your dreams, to reach your goals of whatever that is. And so really just repeating to those students, hey, you are good enough to be here. You have the talent. So let's work hard in that. And then one of the other things that I really try to do is to let them know that I'm going to be honest with them. So when I'm doing instruction, when I'm assessing their swing and everything else, I'm going to be honest with them about where their swing's at, where I think that they could play in college level-wise, but I'm also going to encourage them in that honesty. You know, I don't want to tell them, hey, your swing is perfect and blah, blah, blah. No, I want to be honest with them and say, hey, let's work on this. This is what I see as a weakness in your swing. This is what I see as a strength. So let's work on those and let's get better at those. So it's me being honest with them in every part of their training. And then I always tell all my students that everything is a process. Everything that they do in their training is a process. They're not going to improve everything in one day. I like to say to all my students, they probably get tired of hearing it, but um, that it is a process and that when I have them in there for their lessons, a lot of times we try to focus on one thing at a time to really make them better at one thing instead of them trying to get better at 500 things at once. I like them to focus on, you know, say that time we're focusing just on hands in this T-drill and a specific aspect of that, but really 
everything about that is just a process and all of these girls and the parents knowing that, hey, your daughter's not going to come in here and get better in the next 30 minutes. She's also got to go outside of here and work hard and do what she needs to do. And then we'll continue to work and get better while she's in here. And then the last thing I would say with building the culture and for me, one of the most important things is that I don't allow my students to uh, talk badly about themselves. And so I'll have students that will get frustrated themselves when they're doing a drill and, and they'll make a comment like, oh, that sucked or I suck or something to that extent. And I try to always say, hey, let's not have that talk and kind of, you know, reassure them about the talent side of things and then say, instead of seeing that failure as something to say, oh, I'm bad at this, I'm not doing well, look at that failure and say, okay, this is what I did wrong. Now, how can I look at that to say, this is how I need to improve and this is how I need to grow. Failure should always be an opportunity for us to learn. And when we use failure as an opportunity to put ourselves down instead of learn, we're not going to learn from it. And we're probably going to do the same things over and over. So I don't like to hear my students say bad things about themselves. And I try to encourage them to, hey, acknowledge that failure, but take it and turn it into growth, turn it into something that you can learn from. Oh, absolutely. And so many players are so hard on themselves. At least they're saying it out loud with you. They're comfortable enough <laughs> to speak out yeah. half the time. It's just in their head. Yeah. If you're not hearing it, they're saying it inside their head. Um, but I really love that you talked about your process. I know we it's a buzzword. We talk about it a lot. Um, and it's hard to define, but I think the key is intentionality. Like, you intentionally monitor their self-talk. You intentionally get them focused on big picture and long term. What are some other ways that you help the girls, especially you have a unique challenge as an instructor seeing them once a week at best, right? Yeah. Uh, what are some things that you do to help continue that process when you're not there? Yeah, absolutely. So the big thing that I like to do for each of my students is after the lesson, I record everything we did that lesson uh, their main focus for the lesson, because like I said, every time they come in, they have one, maybe two main focuses that we uh, work on during the lesson. And so one thing I like to do when they come in is to say, okay, this is what we did last week. Uh, I'd like to either work off of this or kind of work on something else. But I also give the students an opportunity to say, hey, is there something that you saw in this tournament you played last weekend that you'd like to work on for an upcoming tournament or just something you've been struggling with? But at the end of every lesson, I try to send each of my students away with, okay, this is what we worked on today. And going forward this week into a tournament or not into a tournament, these are the things that I want you to work on to try to get better at this week. And so if I have students that are regular and are coming every week, I try to, at the end of every lesson, we say, hey, okay, this is what your focus was. I have them repeat that focus. And then we talk about this is what you can do during the week. This is a drill that you can do during the week. And so it gives them something to go away with. Or I'll say, hey, this week, how about we focus on, you know, the exact two T drills that we did this week? How about you go home and you do those over and over this week to really hone in on that one skill that we're trying to get better? So I try to kind of equip them at the end of every lesson to go on and to be able to practice well. And 
I also like to tell my students, if I am teaching you well enough and you're being able to feel the change, feel, hey, when I hit that ball, I rolled over, this is how I self-correct, that's a big part of me trying to equip them going into the week as well because if they can begin to feel what they're doing and begin to self-correct some, I tell them, you're not going to have as much of a need for me, and that's great. You know, I want to get them to the point where they can teach themselves, and it's always good to have another set of eyes and have your instructor, but I want to make them more independent in their hitting as well because a lot of my students want to go to college for softball, and if they want to go for college, I'm not going to be there with them watching them every time they hit, so they need to be able to analyze their swing as well. That is huge, and I think a totally underestimated coaching skill, how to (laughs) hold back for a minute so that you can give them the space to, like, coach themselves, which seems like, well, then what's my job? Yeah. (laughs) But our job is really to guide them. If all they have for actual instruction is the time we're with them, even college teams are with them every single day. You're not with every single kid for every swing. No. So you're missing out on so many opportunities, and you're doing the kids a disservice if you don't. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't think that students should be – ever fully relying on one instructor or one coach, they should get to the point in their athletic career where they are able to, like I said, analyze their swing and make corrections because the best athletes in my mind are the ones that can feel what they're doing wrong and work to try to make corrections, to try to feel themselves doing it right. And that's something I like to try to teach in my lessons. And I continuously ask, okay, what did you feel there what are you feeling? You know, questions like that to really get them to be one honest with me and not say, Oh, that felt great when they didn't feel anything. Um, and then within that, I think that I learned this over, you know, the little over three years I've been doing private instruction is that certain drills click with certain students and with other students, they do not at all. And so I've also figured you can't have. So true. Yeah, you can't have one thing that works for everyone, which is probably the most frustrating thing as a coach. Exactly. Uh, yeah, you're like, okay, this clicked for this student. Why are you? Why is it not clicking for you? And so it's also my job to say, hey, I need you to be honest with me. We're going to do this drill, and if this drill is not helping you feel what we're working on, we're going to move on to another drill. I'm going to try to give you something else to think of to where it can click, but that's where you know, it comes down to the students also feeling comfortable enough to be honest with me and say, hey, this one's not clicking with me or whatever else. And it's like, okay, let's try something else of not necessarily a different drill, but something else you can think of in your mind to do that. So, yeah, Mm -hmm. I think sometimes as coaches we make players a little bit too dependent on us. um, And we're doing them, like you said, a disservice not only for their sport but also for when they step outside of the field. Oh, my gosh. So true. You do not want to do that. None of us want to do that. (laughs) So what are some other things? I don't want to move on from culture yet because I love it so much. (laughs) Uh, What are some things that you found can take away from that culture that you've built? And not necessarily take away, but almost threaten it. (laughs) Some attitudes they bring in from a bad day or uh, inconsistency, inconsistency on their part coming in. What are some other things that you have to kind of reel in to make sure that culture stays tight? Yeah. So 
luckily I haven't had a ton of trouble with my students coming into lessons having really bad attitudes or just coming in negative. I haven't had too much of a problem with that. I say that my problem would be more of they come in and they're doing a drill and they want to make excuses. So excuses are more of the problem that I tend to deal with. And again, I've been very blessed to have some great students and some great parents to work with. But a lot of times athletes, and we can probably all say this, in the moment we don't like when drills challenge us. And so I'll have students where we're doing a T drill and they're feeling great and they're doing it and they're picking it up. And so I want to challenge them more. So when we go on to our next thing, say it's a front toss drill, you know, it's going to be a more challenging drill because I don't want them to just, you know, stay on easy street the whole time. And it's like, yeah, all of my drills are super easy because you're not learning and you're not growing if you're not being challenged a little bit more as you grow and as you get better. And so, you know, they'll be feeling great and then I'll put them in a drill that challenges them. And when they are not doing perfectly at it right away, that's when you either get the negative self-talk or the excuses. And excuses, in my mind, are sometimes just as bad as the negative self-talk because then, as an athlete, you're not teaching yourself accountability. And accountability is huge in life, but also in athletics. And so that's something that can threaten the culture if I don't rein that in pretty quickly. And sometimes, I'm going to be real honest as a coach, it's just like, okay, I just want to let that go. They're complaining, just keep doing the drill. You know, and sometimes that might be necessary Mm -hmm. to let them work through it. But there's times where I also need to step in and say, hey, let's, you know, take a step back, take a step out of the box, let's breathe for a second, and let's talk about this of, you know, we're not going to make excuses, and I understand that this drill is challenging, but how about instead of being frustrated, think about this thing in the drill that you can work on. And that's all I want you to focus on. Don't focus about the outcome, where the ball is going. Just focus on what you need to. And so I think a lot of times athletes just need to be brought back to what they should be thinking about. Because a lot of times when you put logic back into your brain, instead of letting emotion rule it, uh, you're going to calm down. It's going to be easier to think. But I would say probably excuses are the biggest thing that threaten my culture and I just have to make sure that I am recognizing that when it happens and kind of reining it back in and letting them if they need to let some steam off that's fine but not letting them continue on with it and helping to bring them back to where they need to be. God that's a huge topic. I think excuses are especially in the moment when you don't have much time with the kid and you just want to like make sure every minute counts it gets frustrating for a coach and you get kind of cranky with them inside trying to hold it in Mm -hmm. but really it's just a protective mechanism right they are getting frustrated they're failing who likes to fail I mean (laughs) I think the best competitors can get to a point where (laughs) no one ever likes to fail but like they see the benefit of us like ooh, okay this is an opportunity but it is so hard to get there. Like that's the, the top of your competitive edge. Oh, yeah. And all the kids we're working with, they're working towards that. So I think what you're doing is awesome. You're teaching them that it's the competitive problem solving, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's all right. I'm failing at this. It sucks. And I'm pissed. Yeah. <laughs> How can I figure it out? And 
getting them to switch from like avoiding it. That's what excuses yeah. are. It's like avoiding dealing mm-hmm. with it and attack it. That's what we get all the time. Coaches, how do I, how do I get my girls to be more competitive? Like listening to uh, Lisa Fernandez, ultimate competitor, right? Like anytime you listen to her talk about like calling her own pitches and throwing things, that's what she does better than most is like problem solve your way out of it. There are going to be things thrown at you that you've never been dealt before. Find a way through. Be the competitor who figures it out. It's not about I'm attacking my opponent and <laughs> like win everything. It's about mm. problem solving. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I think that a big thing I use myself as an athlete that I think would help players a little bit is that I was always in the mindset of compete to where in a competition, someone wins and someone loses. But if we continuously keep competing, because, you know, when you look at overall softball games, if my team loses a game, that doesn't mean we quit and we're done for the year. That means, okay, we've lost a game. Let's learn from it. Let's get better. And then let's go on to the next game. I think that's the same mindset you need to have within a game within your bats within the field each time you step up to the plate you go out to the field it's a competition okay and if you lose this time okay great you can learn from that but that doesn't mean that you just quit you keep going on so it's like a series of little mini games within a big game of exactly yeah of just continuously competing and and attacking things and having more of that like you said attack mentality that competitor mentality and I think the most mature players, the most mentally mature players are the ones that are going to take failure and sometimes actually take it with uh, a little bit of excitement because they're like, okay, this shows me what I've been doing wrong and I know how I'm going to fix this. And so they're much better to, so they are much more able to kind of move on from that and just take the next step and go out into the field or go tune it bat and say, Hey, I've got this. I love that. Yeah, that's that's our ultimate goal, right? For all of our kids. Yeah. <laughs> and it'll take time to get there and sometimes there'll be better days than others, but I think like there is a path to it and that's our whole mission here. So what are some other things that you do to build that type of mentality and help players deal with failure and pressure and all the other joys that come with softball? <laughs> yeah, that's a really good question. So Something I am really big on is growth mindset. Uh, I struggled with the mental side of the game when I was playing, and there's a lot of things that I see now, I hear now, and it's like, man, I wish I would have had that resource when I was playing. And like this podcast is like, wow, I wish I would have been able to have something like that when I was playing. And I'm sure there were resources that were around that I just didn't know about or didn't look hard enough for. But I think from what I've learned and the amount of time I've been around athletes that growth mindset in my mind is one of the biggest things that athletes can grab onto. And so I've kind of talked on this premise a little bit, but growth mindset says more of, hey, I can learn how to get better. If there's a skill that I'm not good at, I can learn and I can work hard to get better. And yeah, maybe I'm not naturally really talented at this part of the game or this part of the game but I can still work hard to get you know one percent better at that today and just keep grinding to get better 
versus having the fixed mindset that says, you know, if I'm not naturally talented at it, I'm not good at it. I'm not going to be good at it. Why do I even need to try? Or a fixed mindset when you fail says you failed. That's it. Just move on. Like you can't fix that. You can't go back and work on that. And I think the fixed mindset also tries to convince athletes a lot that there is this scarcity of talent of anything else. So we mm. think, Take hey, <laughs> yeah, we think, hey, if I'm not, you know, doing well at this, there's no chance for me to do well. But if I see someone else that's doing really well at it, well, there's only so much talent. So instead of focusing on how I can get better, I focus on the fact that they're better than me. How in the world am I going to be that good and beat them out instead of saying, hey, there's talent enough to go around. They may be more naturally talented than me, but I can still work hard and I can still push to the level that I'm able to get to. And so for me, I like to, when we're going through our lessons, uh, teach my girls a little bit about growth mindset. And it's hard sometimes when you only have 30 or 60 minutes to work with a student. But it's quick. Yeah, it's really quick. And so I try to incorporate it into a little bit of the drills we do, you know, doing some front toss drills where we talk about situational hitting and really opening the player's mind to be more game smart, but to also understand their talent, their skills, their abilities more, and how they can best help their team within a game within certain situations. And I think that helps them to see failure as growth and to have more of that growth mindset. I love that. Can you talk a little bit more about your situational drills? Yeah. So I really like to do situational drills to do front toss. So my facility, I it's a small facility and I have one cage. And unless it's warm outside and we can get a field, because usually all the fields are pretty booked up in the summer, we do a lot of our um, front toss stuff in a cage. And so the situational drills that I do can vary, but there's times where um, especially when girls are in summer ball, so they're in season, they're playing games every weekend. I like to simply say, hey, we're going to step in here, we're going to do some front toss, but before every time I'll have them, I have a little box in the cage, and I say, okay, you step out of the box, I'm going to tell you the game situation. So I'll say, you've got a girl on first and second, and you've got one out. And sometimes there might be a score of the game. Normally it's just where are the players at and how many outs they have. And so the hitter has to think through the situation and then they have to step in the box with a plan and not a plan that allows them to overthink, but a plan that says, Hey, if I want to hit the ball to right field, you know, I'm a righty hitter. I'm looking for a pitch on the outside half the plate. And in my mind, that's not overthinking, but that's, you're making the decision for yourself when you have the plan and you step in the box and think, okay, I'm attacking an outside pitch. Um, and so when I do these drills with a lot of my students, I'll tell them this. And what I found a lot is that when they practice, they don't think through game situations ever. And nope. so that really helps them to say, okay, if I'm actually in a game, what do I want to do here? And a lot of times athletes, we just think, okay, I'm just going to go up and I'm going to hit the ball somewhere, which that's not always bad. But as you get to a higher level, situational hitting becomes much more important and just being able to read the field 
becomes much more important. And then, so we'll go through an at bat with that many people on that many outs. And then once they've, you know, hit the ball, have them step out and we'll talk through what they were thinking about uh, and why maybe that was good or bad in that situation or, you know, maybe that they had multiple options in that situation. And, and I think that a lot of situations we do have multiple options. So also them being mature enough mentally to think through, hey, how can I use my strengths in this specific situation to move a runner, to get on base, whatever that is. Because the goal I tell them is always to get on base. And so I really like to do the situational hitting. And then another thing that I like to do in front toss, it's similar, but I don't give them any people on base or any outs. We just do, we'll do counts. So I'll say, okay, you're stepping in the box and you have two balls and two strikes. And you have to bat from that, from already having two balls and two strikes. Um, or they'll just, we'll just do at bats. And so things that get them more into a game-like situation where they're in a setting that they can actually think through it maybe a little bit more and then discuss it afterwards to really practice that skill that a lot of times it's hard to practice in a game. So a lot of the situational drills I do, I try to put them in a more, more of a game setting so that they can practice those skills without having to be actually in a game. Absolutely. I love this. And I think so many times we get frustrated as coaches that the girls don't have any game sense. And then I asked the coaches, okay, well, how many scrimmages have you played? How many yeah. times have you put them in those situations? They're like, ugh. Yeah. The scrimmages are hard to put together in our squad if you have yes. a giant team in college. But, like, <laughs> you can't always just have a live pitcher there. But you can be thinking through these things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's it's good to just develop that mentality in the players and to discuss it Uh a lot of th- times I don't think we discuss it. Yes. And I know for coaches that have a big team, it's hard to go along and do that. But even at the end of a drill, maybe talking things over, but at least putting it into the forefront of their mind when they're going into the drill, say, hey, we're going to do more game-like situation. I want you to think more situationally. And just putting that in their minds so that they know, hey, going into this drill, I need to think more like I'm in a game and practice that way. And we should be practicing that way a lot, but a lot of times practice, you know, when you're going out there every day and doing it, you have to remind players, hey, let's put ourselves in more of a game mindset. Absolutely. You have to switch from practice mode to game mode. As much as we all try to make our practices game-like, yeah. it's never going to be the same, no. but we can get closer and closer to it. So, I got one final question for you. Yeah. So, if you were to give another coach a tip, something that's worked really well for you for building this growth mindset in your student-athletes and helping them just be able to learn and grow at every single rep, every single practice, every single game, what advice would you give them? I think there would be a few things, but I think the first thing would be when you're working with an athlete or say, you know, you're doing drills in practice, have hitting stations and you're kind of walking around when an athlete fails, maybe jump in and say, Hey, okay, what did you do there? Tell me what you felt. And so you're having to make athletes think about it. And so that makes them think about how they can improve upon it. And a lot of times as athletes, we're, you know, if we're doing a T drill, it's like, we're just doing it over and over and over again. 
we mess up and we kind of instinctively self-correct. But I think if we get too much in the habit of self-correcting without actually thinking about it a little more and saying, hey, this is what I did wrong. This is what I'm going to do to fix it. Because then our body will start to understand and know, okay, when I cast my hands, this is specifically what I need to do to self-correct it. You know, because then eventually that will become more of an unconscious fix. But I think we do every once in a while need to actually go back and say, hey, this is what I felt and this is what I'm going to do to fix it. Um, I think that definitely helps. And then going back to, I think with that growth mindset, like I said, you're having girls look at their failure and acknowledge it, but see failure in a whole different viewpoint. Try to talk to your girls and coach your team in a way that helps them to see failure as a way to learn and see failure as a gift in a way that they can get better as an athlete. Um, And then the last thing I would say kind of within that that helps girls with their growth mindset but also just helps their mindset as an athlete is reminding them that they are there for a reason. They're in that program for a reason because they had the skill, the talent, they put in the work to get there. And I think that can do more for an athlete's mindset than a lot of things can, is saying, hey, you're good enough to be here, you failed, learn from that, and then let's go and let's work hard. If you're going to fail, let's take that and let's learn from it and don't make excuses for that. Just take it as a learning opportunity and say, okay, now what do I need to do to turn that failure into a strength. So telling the girls, hey, you're good enough to be here, and then helping them think through failure as a way to help themselves get better. That is so good. (laughs) Everyone who's listening, hit that back 15 or whatever on your your player. Play that again. So good. All right, last, last thing. Okay. Tell us a little bit more about your upcoming podcast. Yeah, absolutely. So this podcast is something I never in a million years thought I would do. Never thought I would be the person that's like, hey, I have a podcast. <laughs> I never it. thought I that. <laughs> yeah, because I love podcasts. And I've just recently gotten into them probably a year and a half or so ago. So Welcome when I... The club. Yeah, I know, right? So when I jumped into this softball business of starting my own training and everything I loved how I was building the relationships with the students and I have a good knowledge of softball but it wasn't specifically teaching the skills that I really loved the most it was how I was building relationship with these students and helping equip them for all the challenges they were facing they would come in and talk about you know the challenges they were facing in the sport or in life that related to the sport and I was able through my knowledge, through my skill set to help them. And that's what I liked. I liked the part of how I was being able to equip them through my experiences, through my knowledge and all of that. And so I really wanted to push that a little bit on athletes of the desires of my heart and ways I could help them. And I talked to numerous people over the years and I would think, man, this person would be really great that I know to speak into this athlete's life right now. And I would think this at numerous times. Oh, this person would be really great to hook up with this athlete to speak into their lives about this situation. And I thought, hey, why not grab a whole lot of amazing 
speakers, amazing people that I know that would be able to speak in the lives of athletes in a truly great and different way and put them on a podcast (laughs) where people can access all of these different speakers through one avenue and that's a podcast. And so all the things, all the passions and desires in my heart, it was like God said, hey, here's a great avenue for you to do this. And so right now I'm in the process of recording episodes and we're going to launch in January, but it's really a podcast that speaks to athletes in a way that says, hey, we know the athletic journey is a tough one and it's a very unique and different journey than what a lot of people go through and we get that and we're here to walk with you through it, but not just by being here and telling you our stories, by actually giving you tangible, practical tips and skills that you can take away to be a better athlete, to help you in that journey because, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, and there's a lot of things that I know now that I wish I knew as, you know, a high school or a collegiate athlete. And so the podcast is really about, you know, igniting athletes in that journey. And a lot of times it's hitting on the topic of sports and faith, but how sports really can equip you and help you for life, but how you can use it to make you a better athlete now. So excited to do that podcast. Never in a million years thought I would be doing a podcast, but um, hopefully it'll be able to help athletes. And I've already had some great guest speakers that I think will be able to speak in the lives of these athletes and help them out when they need it most. Did you, I don't remember if you told me this, did you get Megan Rhodes Smith? Yes. So I, she was one of the first people I recorded. She is someone I just highly respect. She's great. And, you know, obviously her being my former assistant coach, have a good relationship with her. But yeah, she was one of the first people I recorded and obviously did great because it's Coach Smith and she always does great. (laughs) Yes. That was by far one of our most popular episodes. She's so good. Oh yeah. Oh, well, awesome. Okay. Do you have a site or a name for that yet? Yeah, so the podcast is called The 951 Podcast, and right now, so we're launching January 13th, and this podcast is an arm of my training business, and my training business is On Purpose Softball Training. So the website is onpurposesoftball.com, and then with on within the website, there is a podcast page that just you can click on that. It'll take you to our social media. And eventually when we launch, you'll be able to go to our website and click on links to be able to listen to podcasts. You'll be able to do that through social media, through, you know, any major outlet um, that you would listen to podcasts. So right now we have uh, the 951 podcast social media. We're on Instagram and Facebook. And then you can also get to that through our website of On Purpose Softball. And that is it for today's episode. But remember, softball instruction should always be on purpose. Great instruction isn't about covering everything in one sitting or fixing everything and creating the perfect performer. On the contrary, great instruction challenges the athlete and teaches them how to problem solve. The trick is choosing what to focus on on a given day. And that's where we can help. I was asked recently, so what do you offer? And I realized I've never talked about our services as a whole. So here's the breakdown. For starters, if you're looking for a simple yet impactful activity to do with your athletes and even your whole team each week, check out our Mindset and Confidence Journal, Win, Fail, Learn. 
If you want to build a positive team where everyone is bought into the team vision and playing for each other, now you can purchase our culture training individually. But if you're really committed to developing a confident, resilient team that feels like family, and you're the type of coach who believes in lifelong learning and doing anything you can to make a positive impact on your girls' lives, then you're going to want to check out the Softball Mental Training Toolkit. And finally, if you agree with everything I just mentioned, but would rather invest in a professional to run the complete program specifically for your team, get Alicia to consult with your girls. She'll run the trainings with them and provide personalized feedback to help create a positive, successful, and sustainable culture. Simply reach out to Alicia at mentalsweetbot.com and we'll start the conversation. Act fast though, she only has a couple of spots available. So to recap, we've got our journal, which is a great starter. You can build from that with our culture training, or if you want to go all in and get all of that, you can just invest in the Sapa Mental Training Toolkit. And if you want Alicia to use all of that specifically for your team, helping you guys get further faster, email her for consulting options. To learn more and access all of these services, head to mentalsweetspot.com. Thank you for joining us. Have a great day.